0: Around the NFL podcast really support Josh Rosen.
1: Welcome to another edition of the Around the NFL podcast, presented by SiriusXM. My name is Dan Hansis, and I am joined in a room filled with heroes: Mark Sessler, Chris Wessling, and Greg Rosenthal. What is up, boys? Hey, Dan. What's up? By the way, Josh Rosen. Can I just say and keep those Matt Money drops coming? The chosen one, the Rosen one. It's not a good look, by the way, that he's buried on this death drop behind Ryan Fitzpatrick. It's not like he's an actual rookie anymore. Hey, go win a job against a 36-year-old Ryan Fitzpatrick in training camp, and it's already being set up by Flores in Miami. I know he jumped into the fish tank real quick today. Yeah. But it's being set up as if it's like a done deal, like he's their backup quarterback. Not a great look. I agree
2: with you. It's not a great look. This should be an open and shut case for Josh Rosen. If he's as good as everyone said he was
3: coming out of I that mean, draft. He's, he's a young man. Ryan Fitzpatrick. Here been comes re- the excuse. Ryan Fitzpatrick <laughs> was quoted this week saying, I feel more comfortable with myself in my game right now than I ever have. And you know what? When it comes to lose. Ryan Fitzpatrick, I don't doubt it. I, I, I think he's always felt comfortable with himself, but now he's just, he loves his life. He loves being Ryan Fitzpatrick. And maybe it's showing up on the field.
1: We shot something today uh, with Neil Reynolds uh, over at the NFL UK, our friend from Sky Sports. Great man, Neil. And I noticed in the studio lights a glistening off a nicely manicured Greg Rosenthal beard. Mm. It's like, why is it glistening uh, so? Product confirmed. Yeah, a little beard oil is in there. Whoa, what a hipster. Whoa. Keeps it
3: from getting
4: you know itchy and whatnot. So you have a special comb. Aim directly for your beard exclusively. I uh, know I don't have any combs. You but just put the oils in you now. Put the oil on your hand and then
3: flush. That's it That's what through they your say. Beard. Yeah, you,
2: yeah. If your good time buddies from Tulane, mm-hmm. who you probably spent some time behind bars with, what would they think about this new trend towards your hipster
3: identity? I mean, I think they would embrace it. Really? Know? It's tw- 2019. I don't know if that's it's true. It's 2019. My wife does not embrace it, so I, I think it has a short shelf life, and it's going to be gone uh, for the season. What Wait. is her
4: complaint?
2: We know because she told you to go on a show and tell everybody that you wear the pants in the relationship. Mm. That you wear the pants in the relationship.
3: <laughs> well, I've it's it's made it. You know, I've done it despite her wishes for months and months, mm. but. Uh, I feel like uh, what doesn't Palace she like about intrigue. it well
2: you know mommy coming back from Japan it's scratchy soon. it's <laughs> scratchy when you're like, when you're like in a make out session when we're just like her making things. out
1: exactly out session. <laughs> yeah. when you're playing tonsil hockey with your wife <laughs> <laughs> you got a
2: promontory point for that one
1: <laughs> <laughs> alright gross <laughs> promontory point <laughs> yeah. is that a west side thing uh, I think it's just I mean the, a great th- the great
3: <laughs> thing about this podcast is like their friends even off the air they'd oh. be having
1: this conversation <laughs> downstairs listen to those bros chop it up all right. <laughs> Coming up on today's show, the Wednesday edition of the Around the NFL podcast, um, Chris Wessling wrote a banger. And, you know, he was a little sheepish about his banger, uh, the last banger we spoke about. But this one, he pounds the table for. He believes in it, yay or nay?
2: Absolutely. I think that banger has been thrown around loosely lately, especially <laughs> toward my
1: work. But this one is is a certifiable banger five new play callers with make or break potential uh that does sound like a saucy banger so we're gonna dig into that and the the coaches that wes uh, will be tracking closely in the 2019 season uh but before that here's what we're hearing presented by uh sirius xm let's do some news ricky
0: now, Inside the NFL, Pro Football's Most Informative Hour with your hosts, Glenn Dawson, Nick Bonacani, and Chris Collinsworth. Yes, uh, first of all,
1: that's Harry Callis, correct? Yes, from Philly. Absolutely, who is the voiceover guy for HBO Films Forever, uh, HBO Sports. And um, yes, Nick Bonacani, who had an incredible playing career in the NFL. He was a member of... Uh, linebacker of the 1972 undefeated Dolphins. He was inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame, uh, played with both the Miami Dolphins and the Boston Patriots. He passed away at the age of 78 um, on Tuesday. And uh, I just want to say and the reason I played that is – I grew up, how I became an NFL fan really was, you know, watching the Jets with my dad. But then also what where I learned about the NFL was HBO and Inside the NFL and Boda Connie and uh, Len Dawson and later Collinsworth. They were your guide to take you through all the games. This is before the internet. You know, this is before you would have easy access to what was going on around the league and you would have NFL films going through each game. And in fact, that I feel like that show... It was the blueprint for our podcast and going through every game on Sunday nights our flagship show. So inside the NFL, very important show for me and a lot of people, uh, Mark, I know we've talked about that show before and and Bonaconti was a big part of it uh, so I'm sure he will be missed at the age of seventy eight Nick Bonacati passes away. I
4: feel the same way you do about that show and it was you know that was back during a time when you know my brother and I would fight over the sports page in the morning because it's the only content out there. Now that feels like an absurd. That anyone would fight over a newspaper mm-hmm. of any level. But, 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 like, he, he was a great communicator. And, you know, we're, we're too young to have known him as a player. But think of how many, like, young people now will know Tony Romo for the next 15, 20 years because of his ability to communicate. And so, you know, he, he also he had a son that was paralyzed at age 19 playing and, football, right? And he raised, he went on to raise a ton of money for research into paralysis. So there was a lot of uh, angles and, hmm. and, and, and
1: factors and assets. Hundreds of millions of dollars for the Miami project to cure paralysis.
3: A great Patriot, too. I mean, uh, was part of a bunch of all NFL teams, was part of their team. It was the They did make a championship game in the 60s in the AFL. He was part of that hmm. team, and he's from Springfield, the town right next to where I grew up. So, I mean, he had, he had a, a great Patriots career and a great Dolphins career.
1: Awesome. All right, let's get into it. The news, Michael Thomas and the Saints, they get it done. Thank God. The worst the worst headlines, the worst storylines to talk about in July and August are the holdouts. There's just no there's no juice to it, but it's important to talk about because they're superstar players. So whenever the deal gets done, it's good for everybody. A 5-year, 100 million dollar contract extension. Um that includes $61 millions, a million, in guarantees. That from rap sheet. Um, Thomas had sat out the start of Saints training camp. He wanted a new deal. Um, and instead, he jumps out of that holdout list that still includes Zeke Elliott, Melvin Gordon, uh, Trent Williams, and others. 26 years old. Now sits atop the wide receiver market, surpassing what Odell Me- Beckham makes, $18 million per year average. Greg, uh, Thomas... Um, he has really exploded uh, onto the scene, and he certainly deserves to be in that conversation of the best wide receivers in the league. Maybe he's not always brought up, but he certainly should be there. He should
3: because not many people match the physicality that he has, and he has maybe one of the the like most physical bodies. Just in terms of cornerbacks, can't get around him. He can just box him out with deep speed. With you know, I think that's what was surprised a lot of people in the NFL that's why he fell to the second round that he could be such a big playmaker and he is he he breaks up a lot of the when they don't leave a safety deep Thomas will kill you over the top and he's earned it
2: in the age of analytics he's he's a guy whose nickname could be positive outcome he was the most reliable pass completion positive play in football last year Uh, as the security blanket for Sean Payton and Drew Brees I think he's battling with DeAndre Hopkins to be Decide which one is the new Larry Fitzgerald. Hmm. I,
3: I just want to mention who was taken in front of him in that in that at wide receiver. Call some draft. people out: Corey Coleman, Will Puller, Good Pick, Josh Dotson, <laughs> Laquan Treadwell. Those were at least the first round picks with, mm. with Thomas going midway through the second round.
1: You Remember in the '80s um, and early '90s, speaking of inside the NFL in that era, when they had the NFL posters, and it would be you know ridiculous like. Dome patrol for the Saints, or like the Giants would be the bad fellows and they'd be dressed like gangsters. Wes, your positive outcome, can't you just picture Michael Thomas and it'd be like calculators everywhere? Oh, tons and, of and calculators. Data yeah, spreadsheets. Spreadsheets all around. Laid out him. on your bed sheets. Right. And he's just wearing like a sleeveless shirt and his football pants. I feel like
3: a, a listener can make that for us. Yes, and send you, it to us. Please. Hey,
1: the artistic listeners out there, help us out. Positive outcome. It'll
2: never beat the Donnie ball game. No, baseball the hit man. poster the yeah.
1: hitman which hangs in my garage to this day anyway the and just so you know I mean if you're not aware if you don't know now you know Michael Thomas last season 125 1406 nine Tds and no wide receiver ever has had as many um catches in his first three years 321 so he entered the league as a star he's gone nuclear now he's a superstar now he's paid like one
3: pretty good player yeah <laughs>
1: Pretty, pretty good. Moving first, on. First
3: time they've really had a guy like that. Uh, for, in all the years of Sean Payton, a guy Isn't that, that, Marcus Colston? that dominate, ne- Didn't never have the numbers like that, though. Nothing close in terms of Joe just like Horn. domin I'm saying dominating the ball and being a top five. Like it, you always thought it was a spread the wealth type of offense. They didn't need a number one receiver. I mean,
2: Jimmy Graham had some years that mm-hmm. were every
1: bit as good as Michael Thomas's last year, uh, right? Scientists going at it in a big spot. Um, Wes, you know what? You're gonna get a little uncomfortable in your chair right now because I'm gonna talk about something dangerous around the Indianapolis Colts. Andrew <laughs> Luck's calf injury—it's lingering. The Colts quarterback sat out Tuesday's practice session. Uh, Frank Reich, the Colts coach, said reporter said uh, Luck will not participate in the next two practices and ruled him out to play in the team's first preseason game. Um, it's a nagging injury. It's been around for three months, per NFL Network's Tom Pelissero. There are no more doctor appointments, scans, or surgery, scheduled for Luck. Um, but it's been labeled a calf string and kind of a setback that he's not ready to play football yet. Where's your P scale at, Wes? One is completely dry, ten, underpants mm. are soaked.
2: I was hoping you would ask this exact question, the P scale. It's about a one. I, I don't know, bro. I mean, compared to last year when it was a nine point nine because of his shoulder, Noin. this is this pales in comparison to last year's concern. He said he he's played through worse pain. Basically, they they said if he had to play tomorrow, he'd be fu- he'd be all right to play. He's got five or what five or six
1: weeks before
3: the season starts.
1: I so mean, it doesn't bother word? you at all that he's had an injury for three months that no, has not gotten better. Doesn't bother me. Okay. You
3: I mean, especially when they said. Like previously, that he would be ready for training camp, and we're very confident. I would put it higher because Andrew Luck sounds like he's higher. He sounded uh, practically dejected when he said it's going backwards. He said the injury was going backwards, and he was frustrated because it's been it's been months, and it, it doesn't seem like it's serious. Come on, but it's it, like a
2: four, one a point 1.1. <laughs>
4: right, right, there's
3: still some <laughs> s- still some uh, dribbles of urine.
4: Well, he in went your pants up that point, point one. 1.1. Just in the last four minutes. Yeah, it's, it's on the rise. So, Wes, you know.
1: No concern. Uh, I would uh, Jake Brisket, I'd say just get him loose and keep him ready. God, I hope I don't have to watch him play for a whole year. <laughs> uh, but this is obviously something to watch. And we talked about it on the show that they cited the Kevin Durant injury um, as, you know, a template in terms of be extra careful with this. Last thing we need is Andrew Luck suffering another serious injury. So it makes all the sense in the world to bring him along extra slow. But how about some positive developments? No, I just that feel would be like nice.
4: Nothing good comes from training camp at all. Just negative. Speaking time of box. which,
1: on that very topic, AJ Green, yes, he was injured in the first uh, or the practice at training camp at that field with all the pebbles on it. Uh, he will miss regular multiple regular season games, which is not the outlook that was originally presented. He underwent ankle surgery on Tuesday. And when they went in there to check it out, they realized the damage is a little bit more uh, severe than anticipated. So it went from the hope that he would be ready for week one to expected to miss multiple regular season games, Rap Sheet reported. Uh, Zach Taylor, the new Bengals coach, confirmed uh, that it is going to be uh, a bit of time on the shelf for a superstar wide receiver. Uh, And yes, by the way, Cincinnati follows an opening uh, week one trip to Seattle with games against the Niners, Bills, and Steelers. So they could use their best player, and they're not going to have him for at least the first couple games, it looks like. Maybe more. I was taken
3: by Zach Taylor immediately putting that timeline out there almost as um, a way to send the signal to green, like – take, you know, we're behind you. It's like a player friendly move. We're going to put this timetable out as far as possible. Coaches usually don't do that saying, oh, he's definitely going to miss some games in the regular season. Like, don't rush it. You know, if he comes back earlier than that, then then you could look like a hero and that'll be a pleasant surprise. But I thought it was interesting. He went out of his way to kind of take the pressure off.
1: Moving on. Trent Williams, where is he at with the Redskins? It's not good. Everything we're hearing is negative, that it is a um, relationship that is fractured beyond repair. Well, the Athletics' Jeff Howe reports that the Redskins are, quote, having trade discussions regarding Williams. Um, and Howe added that the Patriots, uh, Greg, yeah boys, expected to be in the mix uh, if yeah. Williams does hit the market. Uh, he's on the record, Williams, saying he's not going to play for the Redskins anymore. So... If this is as bad as it seems, we could see a trade coming where, yes, he's 31. He's had some issues, injury issues. But um, these type of offensive linemen, West, don't typically you know, wiggle free this close to the start of the season. I would imagine it would be a very healthy market, especially for a contender or a team in dire straits at offensive line. Like your Cincinnati Bengals, that would never do that. But teams that could use a left tackle – There's going to be a market if he's out there. Houston Texans come to mind. The guy they drafted in the first
2: round has been playing guard, not tackle, uh, Titus Howard. So they come to mind. Um, It seems that in the past 48 hours, it finally not dawned on the Redskins, but they've accepted the fact that Trent Williams is probably not going to play for them, so we might as well start listening to trades. Hmm. They signed Donald Penn, and when Donald Penn spoke to the media, he said, I didn't like playing right tackle last year. I wasn't comfortable with it. I'm coming to the Redskins to play left tackle. They must know something that we don't know that Trent Williams isn't coming back.
4: I man it's just a terrible situation for Dwayne Haskins for whoever is playing quarterback for that team because I already view the Redskins as one of the, offensively there's just not a lot to love. There's not a lot of weapons and last year I felt like they were basically a run, a running team with a tight with a with heavy thro- you know passing options to the tight end. They didn't they had nothing going on. It's not a good situation for a rookie quarterback.
1: I would have go as far as to say, Greg, that this would be a Blessing in disguise for the Redskins to trade Trent Williams, but and certainly when it, these are the circumstances, it, it deflates your you know your ability to get high value back for him. But he's a 31 year old left tackle for a team that's probably at least a couple years away. The idea of trading him and getting good value back is not the worst things for a Redskins team in transition. Depends what's good value though. He's their best player, or he has been their yeah. I'm just saying, best player. i saying is that is this is this a playoff team next year or this year? No,
3: no, but he's their best player. And, okay, are the Texans going to give up a first-round pick for him? A second-round pick? Maybe. I mean— With health concerns. I mean, to me, I wouldn't trade Trent Williams unless you got a second-round pick. He's too—like, what—why is that helping so your team? So just let him sit out all year? See what happens. I don't know. Like— Call call the bluff on that. I I think they could get something. I mean Dwayne Brown got a second round pick at midseason. Why can't Trent Williams? Trent Williams hey, is a better, better player. So who do we trust to win the uh the and deal the Texans here? have a have forty million dollars. Why do all these teams have so much cap space? Spend it. Just spend it on Trent Williams. If it's the $40 Patriots. If it's the
4: Patriots, who do you trust to win the deal here? Bill Belichick <laughs> or Bruce Allen?
1: <laughs> Doug Williams is on the phone too, you know. You gotta trust Doug. I'm
3: a little surprised that if the Patriots got in there, Uh, But their first-round pick from a year ago, Isaiah Wynn, still not practicing. So right now they have uh, Joe Tooney, who's their left guard playing left tackle for the most part. So it could be a problem.
1: And the other news to take out of this, that yes, it does continue the streak. It's been going on for the last 747 uh, high-level veterans that hit the trade market to immediately be attached to the Patriots (laughs) as a potential suitor. It's just the record. It's a record that will never be. It's it's Cal Ripken.
3: Baseball in baseball, <laughs> you know? it's the Yankees, and they that's been the case since the nineties. So right. It's, they, no, it's been, been the longer. case <laughs>
1: since the forties <40s> and fifties. <laughs> that's that's true. Although your boy, you know, what are you doing? The Reds trading for Trevor Bauer. Stay oh, out, did you want him? Stay Come out on of the minutes. race.
2: I forgot. Every superstar in Major League Baseball is ultimately ticket for the Yankees because nah. they're the only game in town.
1: I and mean, it's cute <laughs> that you guys fancy yourself contenders, but you know, stay out of the the you know big play box. Well, right the there.
2: oldest team in baseball. Thing it's allowed to win games, too.
3: <laughs>
1: Some good. unexpected The yeah, British listeners are furiously Googling Trevor Bauer right now. <laughs> uh, I don't know if you're going to like Trevor Bauer,
3: by the
2: I now. read up on him a lot <laughs> last night, and you could not create in a lab... Any Anything or anyone with a more galling personality than this guy.
1: Yeah, yeah. He's a real menace on Twitter as well.
2: Oh, my God. I think he's he's a sociopath from the very comments. Very good pitcher, though. He's yes, very good. Yes, absolutely. It's just going to be hard to root for a shutout from that guy every time out.
1: Yeah. All right. Uh, in other news, uh, Mark, why don't you jump in there? You've been active <laughs> on Twitter with baseball stuff recently.
4: I, You know, my baseball content... It arrives when it arrives, not when it's asked for. <laughs> Wait, okay.
3: although that that reminds me of an uh, interaction we had walking up here, where uh, Andy Gregg, who's big time director, <laughs> yeah. giant. exec giant, uh, you know, because he's so tall, his nickname, uh, just walked us by, and he's like, Sessler, you've been tweeting out some weird lately." <laughs> well, you know, I I love that people think
4: he's that like, I only right. know about football and that I don't have a, a rich history covering <laughs> baseball as
1: well. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. Um the Cowboys back in business with Alfred Morris. Uh this deal comes, of course, at a time uh when Dallas could use more bodies in their backfield at running back as a potential protracted holdout with Ezekiel Elliott goes on. So thirty years old, Alf Morris, you know, he's he's had moments. He's had moments. And, uh, he's been
2: 30 years old for seven yeah, years. That's fair.
1: Uh, yeah, I accidentally called him Albert Morris, our last show. And that, we're talking about his rookie season. That was 2012. But it feels like he's been in the league since about 1996. <laughs> he's one of those guys. But he actually did some things a couple of years ago with Dallas um, in um, limited duty. And you could do worse, probably. Probably could do better, but you
2: could do worse also. Nice little insurance policy. He knows that. Knows the system there. Um, Jane Slater reported something interesting on Tuesday that her sources from Dallas told her the Cowboys do not like the way Todd Gurley's contract was structured, and they want to reset the market rather than set the
3: market. And she, yeah, she said they're not close. That you know, there's you know some chatter about they do not love the look I, I, that he's in Cabo right now uh, working out. This it is a good test case of whether Le'Veon Bell really did uh, potentially change the way players are, are thinking because Gordon and Zeke, in theory, you know, could could do the Bell playbook—not the whole season, but maybe actually missing some games. In theory, if he actually has changed their minds at all. I mean, I
4: think it was the other show a couple a couple shows ago when I mentioned that the only holdout that had me concerned at all. Was not this one, and I am. This is starting to get on my on my radar a little bit as a, a nettlesome issue mm, for the Ooh. Cowboys. Good word,
1: well put, Mark. That's what's happening. Just like
4: making, just you got to make a comment at some point. <laughs> That's
1: what's happening in the news. All right, so uh, it's like crap. Now I have to say something. <laughs> it's like that. Like a window into Mark's intern, like
2: interior. Uh,
1: Oh shoot! I better say cool. something.
2: <laughs> Soon they're going to know they can't do they can do it without me
1: <laughs> easily. Um, all right, that's what's happening in the news. All right, so Wes he's back. Um, a bit of a, a soft launch for the banger um, in the banger zone for Wes with his last piece. But now he is all tra- training camp is done. He, he you know he got some reps in week three of the preseason. Um, you know, he met with his trainers. He took all the right supplements, didn't get suspended. He is ready for football. And you showed know, up
3: to camp a little overweight. there. Yeah, I got like to knock the, a lot of shape. This,
1: <laughs> this was an exercise in knocking the rust off for me.
2: I've got to learn about Kellen Moore, you know? I've got to learn about what Chuck Pagano did last time he was defensive coordinator.
1: That's good. So what did Wes write about? He wrote about the um, assistant coaches in new places that really are going to be Big factors with their teams, and I imagine, Wes, these are teams that uh, fancy themselves Super Bowl contenders. So there could be a make-or-break element uh, to um, these gentlemen and their uh, presence with these teams. I want to get into the list because—
2: Well, I have a feeling that one person on this list will not be a Super Bowl contender in the eyes of you three. Rich Skang Rich Skang- oh, right. Of course. Denver Broncos offensive coordinator. Well why don't we start there? Then? Everyone calls him sk- Skangs I and mean, your friends Skank- call Skank-
4: him Skangs. Skangs
1: Skanks- I called him Skangs in the article. Alright, so tell us about Skangs. He is he's the new offensive coordinator of the Broncos. Gary Kubiak, of course, who we'll talk about later. Uh seemed to have some type of I don't know, falling out might be strong, but disagreement or philosophical break with John Elway, so he left the team uh, and took his, his um, hair, his gorgeous hair, to Minnesota. But Skangs is there as the OC. Tell us about what do you think about what's going on there.
2: Well, Skangs is only the OC because Elway, John Elway, got on the phone to uh, another Stanford legend, John Lynch and basically coaxed him in to allowing the Broncos to interview Skangs. Mm. Uh, so he had to promise that they, they, he was the lead candidate, that he was probably going to get the job when they hired him. This guy comes from the Kyle Shanahan tree. Um, and I think that Mike Monchak, the offensive line coach, is just as important of a hire as Scangarello. He has, he's He's one of the most respected line coaches in the NFL – the Steelers were top seven in DVOA all five years that he was running the offensive line in Pittsburgh. And this is the team with the second most blown blocks in the NFL last year, the Broncos. They've got at least two new starters in Juwan James at right tackle, Dalton Risner, the rookie at guard. And Flacco had the lowest rating passer rating under pressure in the NFL last season. So it's very important for him not to be under constant pressure. I feel like between Skangs and Munchak – this will be an improved offense, much improved. They're going to have a lot of new starters
3: on this team. I like it when teams have kind of a connection to the schemes that they've run throughout their history. And this is very much a Denver Broncos type of offense. I mean, it's very much a Mike Shannon, which is it, – look, it's still working, as you can see with Kyle Shannon and the influence he's had with Sean McVay and everyone else across the league. But what a what a come-up for this guy. He was the Wagner offensive coordinator three years ago. Wagner! He was at Millsaps like five, seven, eight years ago. So what's Millsaps? Millsaps is another college. Also, the last name of I Paul's think it's, Millsaps. A, it's a female prep school in Iowa. Denver Nuggets power forward. Uh, so I mean, he I think he's the guy that Kyle Shanahan really like loved, and that and I think that word got around the league, and now he's in
4: Denver.
1: Mark, this is your slot.
3: <laughs> what are
4: you asking me today? <laughs> No, I'm, just, the I'm bathing in the, the knowledge that Wes is just pouring <laughs> out on us right here. So, Next topic, please.
1: Stang. Um All right, let's talk about Gary Kubiak. It didn't work out in Denver. Um, they couldn't figure out a way uh, to do it, so he goes to Minnesota. And this is a situation where uh, offensive coordinator Kevin Stefanski, he'll still have the gig and he'll still be calling the plays. But Wes, Kubiak's going to be... I mean, that offense is going to look different if Gary Kubiak is in town.
2: Talk about a dream hire. I mean, Stefanski's calling the plays, but they not only brought in Kubiak, they brought in Rick Dennison, Kubiak's longtime uh, right-hand man who manages the running game. Uh, they brought in they brought in Clint Kubiak for quarterbacks coach, Kubiak's son. CK. I mean, they bring in all these guys because think- they're implementing Gary Kubiak's system, a system which is tailor-made, not only for Kirk Cousins, but also for Dalvin Cook and that offensive line. There aren't going to be seven-step blocks There's, or seven-step drops. Um, the offensive line will have more time. They won't be under as much pressure with all the rollouts and bootlegs they're going to have. Kirk Cousins is the only quarterback with a 1,000 passing yards and a 100 or b- better passer rating on play-action throws in each of the past four years, which is the foundation of Kubiak's offense. Hmm. I feel like this is just a perfect—you talk about the problem last year, Mike Zimmer's desire for a run-oriented attack versus an offensive line that couldn't pull it off, and John DeFilippo, who's always been a very pass-heavy play caller, you bring in a guy who marries the run in the pass as well as anybody has for the past couple of decades,
4: Gary Kubiak.
3: <laughs> that was your slot, Mark Why, No, I don't play that well, game Well, I know Dan I, is. I, I was going to jump in, of course I, But I, instead no, I decided I, I, Now you referenced no, Mark
1: referenced a slot And now all I could think about Is Mark's slot I, you, I, Dan, I you think that We need to
3: well, a little bit more organic here's, a, here's what happened though When he is wrapping up I gave Mark a look That was like Okay, you go I now. knew what was and happening so, a, so I'm not going to play down. that game we had, I thought that Dan was going to jump
2: on it Because this was your topic On the Sky Sports hit That you were a Gary Kubiak believer
1: We did, yes I, I believe in the Vikings as By the way, this hit was for candidate. Game
3: Pass, which everyone should buy. Game Pass Europe. I think it's especially for the overseas listeners. So people should buy some If, a little if, you're, perk. if you're American, it, you cannot see it. It'll show no. up, I think, closer to the, the NFL season. Yes. But it's a, it's a big season preview. So go, I think, go do that.
1: You know what? Uh, I think the Vikings are so primed for a bounce back season. And I think it helps them so much that last year, after the Minneapolis Miracle and then... Uh, getting Cousins, which seemed like an obvious upgrade over Case Keenum, that they would be a team that would get to the Super Bowl, finally get back to the Super Bowl. And they kind of wilted, it felt, under that. And Cousins didn't live up to expectations, even if his numbers uh, seemed as strong as always. Uh, this year, though, they seem to be lying in the weeds in the NFC. And that, and I think, uh, Wes, everything you're adding is just adds more fuel, fuel to that fire and my feeling that this is a team uh, – this, to me, they could be a 12-4 and team. If that offense gains more consistency, I, I believe in that defense. I believe in that home field advantage. It's one of the best in the NFL they seem to be uh, a potential NFC monster there
4: was just a stink on them from the early part of, or the earliest reports we heard of D Filippo and Zimmer not being on the same page and I think it it kind of rotted that team from the inside out and so this feels like Zimmer's got his guy his guys coops coops 2.0 the Sun. Don't know what he looks like,
3: but I mean, it sounds like a good. I, I, mean, I think they are a bounce back type team. He brings an entourage. That's why I, it sounds like that's why he left Denver. Is ultimately when you hire Koobs, right. you don't just have Koobs, you have. Dennison, you Cubs have Clint Jr. Kubiak. They got to all go on the payroll. It's like hiring the star, and you got to find like a job for like LeBron James's <laughs> like you know third best friend or whatever. And that's why he ended up in Minnesota. And he's got a great running back to build around in Dalvin Cook, who I think wasn't a totally back from the ACL, but still looked quite good last year, and will be even better this year. Look at
2: Kubiak's track record. He has turned a slew of undrafted guys and late round picks into thousand yard rushers. Uh, now he's got a second round pick in Dalvin Cook.
1: Let's connect again back with the Broncos. The Broncos are connected to all these. It's like a Kevin Bacon situation. Well,
2: this is the, the Shanahan family is running through this entire list.
1: Interesting. So, yes, I just brought up Case Keenum. He went from Minnesota to Denver and Kubiak. He went from Denver to Minnesota. Minnesota. Now Chuck Pagano, he replaces Vic Faggio. Who went from Chicago to Denver? He is the new defensive coordinator of Duppers. Trademark me. Your thoughts, Wes? Well, this is the one that
2: this instigated the article. Um, thinking about Chuck Pagano because you lose Vic Fangio, who is, I, I think, along with Wade Phillips, the most de- most respected defensive mind in the game right now. Well, Bill Belichick's sort of on an island up there by himself, but you know, throwing Romeo Crennel is another guy who's respected. But we don't really know what Chuck Pagano is. He had one year as defensive coordinator with the Ravens, where they finished third in defense uh, with Ray Lewis, Ed Reed, Terrell Suggs. And then he went to the Colts, and he never really had much talent to work with on defense. Now he's token over a defense that is almost sure to regress to the mean just because they had a sky-high turnover rate, lost very few games to injury last year, and cannot and 15% of drives with an interception like they did last year, hmm. especially
4: with a slight drop off in talent in that secondary. The problem with taking a job like that is that they invariably will regress back to the mean with the turnover stuff, and they needed that defense every week to make up for their offense, I felt like. And if you are if you are in this situation, Pagano, you're going to get blamed from the earliest part of the season if it doesn't go well. Well, I, that's I, I want to take on a the job other hand, over some for someone who floundered before me. You come in and you look good.
2: On the other hand, when you have a chance to work with Cleo Max, Akeem Hicks, Roquan Smith, Danny, Danny Trevay, I mean, they, they're absolutely loaded. Eddie Jackson,
3: Kyle, Fo, they are loaded, and yet I, I think it's a tough spot to go to for Pagano. You know, Dan Pompey wrote a good article I, I, this week on the Athletic about the Bears. Just the teams that return all their starters and the expectations are there sometimes those are the ones I'm worried about. There's not. There's no longer like the – there's no competition. All the starting spots point. are back. They were kind of hungry and trying to prove everything. I think Nagy did such an amazing job. Can he create that many plays again? But defensively, it's just proven statistically that it is tough to stay that dominant, stay that hungry. On paper, though, they are the best. I don't think like you need to try to come up with some hot take that there's some other team. They are the best on paper.
1: I'm interested in your number number four on your list. And again, Chris Wessling wrote a banger. Five new coaches with make-or-break potential. So the Falcons, we all know what happened. Kyle Shanahan. Other new
3: coaches. Okay.
1: Presided over an offense that was historically great uh, in the 2016 season uh, in Atlanta uh, when they went to the Super Bowl and nearly won the damn thing before collapsing. Um, he, he leaves, gets the gig in San Francisco, head coach job. So Steve Sarkeesian comes in. And he never kind of was able to match it. He was never able to match the magic, even though they did score points. uh, just wasn't special. So what do they do, Wes? They bring back guys that were familiar to Matt Ryan and company before that amazing 2016 season, which is almost to say, I don't know, from a perspective, an outside perspective, maybe we'll never capture lightning in the bottle like we did in 2016. But we liked what we were before Kyle Shanahan got there. We didn't like the Sarkeesian version of us. Let's try Let's as you wrote, go back to the future. First four
2: years of Matt Ryan's career as coordinator was Mike Malarkey. Next three years, his coordinator was Dirk Cutter. Falcons hired both of them this year, one to coordinate the passing game, the other to coordinate the running game, and Dan Quinn cited continuity. Basically, they want to run the system Matt Ryan's been running while he's been a top five or six quarterback the last three or four years, rather than going back to what Dirk Cutter was doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Dirk Cutter, um, he he runs an air coriel like, Vertical spread scheme that should be Pretty similar to what they were running before So it shouldn't be a big change Um, But I think what they're going to find is Even though they were a top 10 offense During Dirk Cutter's uh, First time around, Matt Ryan's a different quarterback Now, he was a much more conservative passer His average depth of target Was always kind of bottom third in the league And now he is one of the Most prolific downfield Bomb throwers in the NFL He, He is excellent at it and has been for
4: three years I mean, if we talk about the Vikings as a bounce-back team, I'd go Falcons because a lot obviously went wrong health-wise for them last year. But but Cutter and like Matt Ryan have proven that they can get along well and, and and work with each other, and that's a huge
3: factor in the NFL. And another option, I guess it's you'd have to be monkeying around with the categories here you know, and new coaches, but Dan Quinn. I mean, Dan Quinn's a defensive coordinator right now. They didn't hire anyone. He's under pressure because he fired all his coordinators. Peter King pointed out, I think it was from Football Outsiders, actually. They were the first team since the 88-89 Colts to fire all three of their coordinators and keep their head coach, hmm. which is crazy. And he's fired a lot of coordinators over the year. And, then, and he put himself in as a defensive coordinator. So to me, there's a lot of pressure on Quinn to, to deliver I, with that young group.
1: I guess if I was a Falcons fan, I'd feel pretty good about that. I would you, too. If you trust those offensive minds, and of course you you remember, if you know the NFL, that Quinn was the D.C. of that historically great Seahawks team. So he's got it in him to scheme it up. Ask Peyton Manning. I like the moves. I like all the moves. I
4: think a huge thing in Atlanta, too, is you've used two first-round picks on linemen. And if they hit, if that works out, you've you've added big strength to that team.
1: Finally, Wes, tell us why, when you talk about the Dallas Cowboys offense, you could, you know, waddle on in. Maybe if you're, not you, Wes, you're a very fit man. Uh, and you swing open those doors, and it, welcome to the last chance saloon, as you put it.
2: Well, well, Kit, the, J- Jason Garrett is in the last year of his contract. Uh, Super Bowl clock is ticking with Jason Witten and Sean Lee, who are possibly in the last year of their legendary careers in Dallas. The offensive line nucleus, which the whole thing is built around, is creeping away from its prime, especially at left tackle and, and maybe at center. Um, And you have a stable of young stars in need of huge contracts. Stable of boys. The sand's running through the hourglass here. It's time. And Scott Linehan, who was actually Kellen Moore's mentor in both Detroit and Dallas, was sort of scapegoated for having a stale offense. I think um, Freddie Kitchens, Browns coach, said this at the end of last year. When you're running offense these days, defenses are so athletic, so speedy, it's really important pre-snap to give them a moment's hesitation. And that's what Kellen Moore is supposed to do here. He not only comes from Linehan's scheme, he comes from Boise State where they have a wide array of formation shifts and motions. And I think you're going to see the same foundation, the same philosophy that Linehan used, just with a lot more options before the snap to try to confuse defenses.
3: I'm looking forward to a new coach in Dak Prescott's here and everything that we've heard. I think we talked about it a little bit, but Dan Orlovsky who who had time with Kellen Moore talking about what he's implementing is sounding a lot more like closer to Cliff Kingsbury than it really is to Scott Linehan and I think he's laser focused on making all the things that Dak does well especially that deep ball and throwing on the move accentuating that and I and I for whatever reason I don't think they were getting the most out of Dak last couple of years, and I'm more excited, you know, to watch this offense undercut I, I love this story because, I mean, this is a
4: guy who, he, a coach's son, right away they talked about how his acumen, his smarts, his creativity were an asset, but he wasn't much of a player. But it's crazy to think that he was just playing a couple years ago, and he's now running an NFL offense. You don't see that kind of rise he very was, quickly. He was his own quarterback's backup. I mean, he's coaching D- Dak
2: Prescott
3: now, and he right. used to be the Dak Prescott was elevated because Kellen Moore broke his ankle on one of the first days of uh, training camp. Oh, yeah, I happened to, happen to be there that day, and suddenly everyone is crowding around this fourth-round pick Dak Prescott because, hey, you're going to have to be the backup. And, you know, as we found out a few weeks later, he was going to have to be the starter. That was
1: one of my favorite plot points of Greggy Does Dallas. <laughs>
3: The things you hear about people maybe, don't usually talk about the plot that much, but it's underrated. <laughs> <laughs> Sets everything up.
2: Touche. It's not the uh, same. The things you hear about Sean McVay, you hear about Kellen Moore. You know, John Kitna said he had a beautiful mind. Dak Prescott said he's one of the quote young genius phenoms in the game. Who's this now? Kellen Moore. Dang, well, Kellen Moore is only on
3: thirty it. years old. It's just crazy. So I like it. it's exciting. Jason
1: Garrett's the man who will replace Jason Garrett if they don't get Sean Payton? Well, essentially. They, so he was they've 29
3: got really good... when they hired him. Wow, that is wild.
2: They've got Chris Forshard on defense who really took over play calling from Rob Mar- Marinelli last year even though Marinelli's the coordinator. So they've got a couple of head coaching candidates.
1: Nice. Well, check it out nflcom wrestling, uh to see all those all that analysis in one place. Uh I guess while we're here, Greg, you've been writing your training camp pieces, winners and losers. Is that a, a weekly seg basically? Yeah.
3: Sunday uh, they go it goes up Monday mornings, some winners and losers, big recap of the, the training camp week that was.
1: Um the old Zeuser will have a Friday column to be determined, and then Hard Knox recaps return on Tuesday when Hard Knox is back Ooh. covering the Oakland Raiders. So I, I think it'll be like the eighth year I'm doing it. This is getting ridiculous Beautiful. now. Um, you would think at some point your career advances past certain things, but no, it's just, it's hit this nice little plateau and just sits where it is. And we just coast along deeper and deeper into our lives. I'm not complaining. Mark, anything for you on the horizon?
4: Uh, A new column that will be featured every week is, uh, beginning in a week or two. I'll tell you
1: about it then. some ideas
4: by the original content team and one of them they accepted. You reeled them in
3: couple of them, they said, this is stupid. This idea doesn't work. So <laughs> this eight. man knows how to deliver a tease. Yeah, an eight-part expose on sex in the NFL <laughs> by Mark Sessler. Okay.
4: Uh, all right. Um, oh. <laughs> I wanted to hit Orson Wells, and I was, like, too stunned. I, like, couldn't even w- lift my finger to hit I, it. I'm glad you did
1: not. And remember the, um, uh, the fifth annual... Fifthish annual uh, fantasy extravaganza will be held later, and I think we're trying to reel in the big fish, right? Anybody, one of you guys, Evan Silva? Yeah, we gotta get the big fish back in the boat. Oh yeah, with his exciting uh, career change and also his immense knowledge in the fantasy realm. So now, I'm already kind of, if if you're listening and I know you're a regular listener, uh, Evan, hop in the boat if you can. We'd love to have you as our you guest. you got to pull in a big fish. I know. It's, it's not going to be easy.
4: I mean, now if he declines for whatever reason, this just looks terrible.
1: For him.
3: I mean, it doesn't look great for I us. I mean, he's out there trying either, to promote yeah. his new site, establish the run. He's taking these media requests now. It's, it's like now now he owns the boat.
1: You yeah. know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, that's absolutely true. Um, all right, we'll be back on Friday uh, with another show. So thank you to everyone for listening. Until then, this is Dan Hansis signing off for Quiet Storm. I feel like we gotta look into your brain, Mark, today on the show. I'd be concerned. The mailman's the old boss, and Ricky Hollywood behind the glass. Till Friday.